0: Spiritual life Center.
1: We've been invited to a party of one. As I mentioned in the earlier service, when they were singing that song, I was recalling a line from a song from Cool and the Gang, uh, celebrate, party over here right now. Something to that effect. But we were invited to that party of one. And when Paula sent me the song they were going to use this week before the service, before my talk and after the meditation, I thought about the idea, that party of one representing our first principle, that there's one presence, that there's one power, that there's one reality that's always going on. And although to our minds we think there's a lot of different things going on, and it appears to be many different things, when we get caught up in appearances, there's a tendency to compartmentalize our life. Because we'll say, well, you know, this is my body over here. And here's my my body of affairs over here, which is my life. There's There's my relationships, oh, that's way over here. And my finances are way down there somewhere. And we struggle sometimes to put all the pieces together, realizing or not recognizing. They all come from one source and can be all part of the same energy field. So there's a place waiting for you and me that party of one. Because there's one energy field that we're all a part of and we just have to choose that part. You know, the scientists and the mystics have been saying the same thing for years. There's only one, one reality. And all the qualities of the presence of God from that reality are expressed through and as our life. And that life is God's life. And that life is whole. And that life is complete regardless of appearances. So today we're talking about mastering our wholeness. It's the final week of our our series on mastering. We talked about mastering our freedom the first week, followed by mastering our faith. Last week, Reverend Deborah talked about mastering our will. Today, we're talking about mastering our wholeness. And as I always like to say, you know, when we speak up here, there's really only a few basic principles. We kind of come from different angles, but we're really saying the same thing. It always goes back to those principles that we talk about. But anyway, today, I'm going to base the talk on a, a Bible story. And I said, the first story relax. A few of you got a little conniption fits so when I would say I was going to read from the Bible. You know, I, I, had, I had it up here because I never bring it. I never seldom sp- ever speak from it. And, and Deborah was going to say, well, we need to put, I'm not going to put anything up there because uh, James got some stuff up there. I said, well, that's actually the Bible. <laughs> and I recognize that a lot of people may have some allergies to the Bible because they've been beaten up, symbolically at least. We've been laid to believe that somehow we're inherently flawed from birth. And it's been reinforced by some of the passages in there as if we don't have enough negative stuff coming and bombarding us about why we're not good enough. It's been used to justify a lot of inhumane acts against classes of people. It's justified slavery. As people have used it to justify the subjugation of women. It's been used to vilify people of different sexual preferences and ways of being. But if we realize That this book was never meant to be a literal historical document, but rather a reflection of human consciousness. The stories are allegories. They have inner meanings, and they have great value for us and our spiritual evolution. So I'm going to read a story from the Bible, and you'll be okay. (laughs) You'll be all right. Just relax. You'll be all right. And this is from Gospel of John, the fifth chapter, and in, uh, verses one through nine. And it says that after there was a festival of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, there's a pool called Hebrew Bethesda, which has five porticos. In these lay many invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been there a long time, he said to him, Wilt thou be made whole? And the man answered, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool. When the water is stirred up and while I am making my way, someone steps ahead of me. And Jesus said to him, Stand up, take your mat and walk. At once, the man was made well, and he took up his mat and began to walk. Now, that day was the Sabbath. They put that in the last line. That created a whole different problem, supposedly working on the Sabbath, but that's another talk. So you see, okay, everybody's all right. I read that, and everybody's like, nobody exploded or anything? All right. Okay, we're good. We're good. So to look at the story, there's a guy who had been suffering for 38 years. And he was waiting to be placed in the pool of Bethesda. And that pool was considered to be a healing pool. That whenever the angels ruffled the water and moved the water, it had healing power. And according to the story, individuals in the pool were healed when they got into it. But once they got into it and, and used it up, the, the healing power was wait, used up, and they had to wait till an angel came back again. Now, we're talking about angels. That's, that's a really thoughts. But that's a whole, you know, I can do a whole metaphysical Bible interpretation class. I may need to do that sometime because we need to take back the interpretation of what that's, the Bible is all about. But anyway, uh, I, I digress. <laughs> and anyway, Jesus saw the guy was diseased and uncomfortable, and he just walked up to the guy, Will you be, do you want to be weighed well? Do you want to be whole? And the disciples were like, Jesus, of course, I mean, why you ask that man that question? Obviously, he's been here for 38 years. He's very uncomfortable. He's not feeling good about himself. Why would you think to ask him that? Of course, he did. you're embarrassing us. But Jesus penetrated the man's awareness and said, what's going on? What's happening? And the man went on to talk about his story. You know, I can't get in the pool. You know, I'm infirm. People keep jumping in front of me and all the time, and I just can't make it there. And Jesus saw right through the man, and, and you know that represented the part of us that often makes excuses. Some of us may ask us, well, why aren't you living your dream? Why aren't you moving in a direction? Why aren't you praying with intensity? Why aren't you expanding your life? And sometimes we may have excuses that we can articulate the time and the place and somebody who ever did something to us and blocked us off from our path and haven't been right ever since. We might say it was our parents. It may have been, you know, our children or a spouse or ex-spouse. It could have been a job, it could have been the boss. It could have been all the people that misused us, abused us, did not understand us. They knew nothing about us or they maybe they knew too much about us. We may use a litany of excuses that may serve us. And we cannot make a place to go because we're saying, oh, I couldn't get there because the traffic was too heavy. Oh, it was too far away. It was too early in the morning. I couldn't get up that early. Whatever the case may be. And the five senses, that's what those five porches represent. Those five porticos represent our five senses and individuals. And a man was sitting under them and seeing things from a finite, from a human perspective only and not from a spiritual perspective. So, Jesus looked at this guy and he knew that it was about intention. He knew it was about his spiritual intention. He knew it was about his interest and his willingness to be more than he thought he could be. And what a penetrating, soul searching energy asked, Wilt thou be made whole? And somewhere within him, he knew he was busted. <laughs> he could no longer say, Look what happened to me. He nodded in the affirmative. And some within him said, yes. And Jesus said, take up thy bed and walk. And according to the rest of the story, he went on whole and healed. But it symbolizes so much more than that story. I think the question for us, we must look within ourselves, within our own soul, and see if we can answer that question, "Wilt thou be made whole, regardless of what area in our life it might be? Do we want to master our wholeness? Do we want to live life fully and no longer putting life, and what I like to say, on the layaway plan, saving some from day in order to save it up for tomorrow? Willing to live a life in this instant. And I would say there's no reason to be healed in any particular area of our life because sometimes when we have challenges. They just serve as apprenticeships to help move us and shift us and catapult us to a higher way of being. So we may have challenges with our health. We may have challenges with our abundance. We may have challenges because we need to forgive someone, and we're holding on to resentment. We may have challenges because we don't know what to do, and we realize there's always some, com- some com- there's always some divine, compelling right action waiting for us to touch and connect with. But there's no reason for us to change if we're unwilling to live life fully and in alignment with God's intention for our life, which is also our true heart's desire. You know, I've shared from time to time going through my own dark night of the soul. And I remember years ago when I was, uh, you know, in the courthouse, I was, you know, practicing law, but my life was like falling apart really bad. And uh, there was a person that came up to me. Knew, what, knew me and knew my, what I was going through, at least aware of it, I don't know how she knew, but you know, I guess you could look at me and said, there's something right about him. Um, and asked me, do I need some help? And I had been in denial about my addictions and challenges at that moment, and for some reason in that moment I said yes. Something happens when the universe, when you say yes to the universe. And when I began to say yes, I began to, to move away from being adrift in life. Some clarity in life began to happen for me. I began to see new possibilities, new meaning for my life. And I began to journey in the spiritual evolution that continues on today. But the whole question we must ask ourselves on a daily basis, will you be made whole? Whatever area of your life, will you be made whole? I can hear some words churning in your mind right now, but I'm going to keep talking because I think we need to work on a little bit more. So how do we go about mastering our wholeness? I always like to say in the spiritual work, there's no definitive how to. You know, sometimes we have, you know, we go to workshops, seminars, and, you know, and I have them myself. You know, you do step one, you do step two, you do step three, you do step four. And all that is good because it strengthens our faith and the spiritual principles. It strengthens our faith in the spiritual law, whatever it might be, love or forgiveness or visualizations, abundance, peace of mind, whatever you're trying to get. And as we generate that faith, we have positive feelings. And those positive feelings lead to positive results. So where could we start? I think it starts by making a decision to choose from wholeness. You know, Reverend Janae uh, did her meditation, and we never collaborated, but she said something that goes right into this point. We said, you know, we don't want to be focusing on our brokenness. Rather, we want to focus on our wholeness, focus on what's right with us, to paraphrase what she was saying. And when we make a decision, decision means that we cut away every single thing that is not in alignment with what we've decided upon. Because we must understand that wherever God is, and God is everywhere present, the whole of God must be. And we want to train ourselves to make it a daily moment-by-moment choice to choose from wholeness rather than from separation. Because even in the seeming disease, even in the seeming illness, even in the seeming challenge, even in the seeming difficulty, there is the allness of the presence of God, and that includes divine and perfect pattern of life itself. And when we do that, we're accessing what Jesus called his many mansions. This in my father's house, the father, mother, God's house, many mansions. There are invisible dimensions because we're getting a little bit mystical here. We're a little beyond, you know, the, the, the three-dimensional way of seeing things, but beyond what words can describe, but it's very real. There are infinite possibilities of the all good manifesting in and as our life according to how we respond to it, according to our belief. Or to put it another way, when we say in my father and mother's house there are many mansions, I go to prepare a place for you, as that statement says, that already in the mind and the heart of this infinite presence that we call God, I call the force, there is infinite, infinite, infinite good. It already exists. It is happening already. And what we want to do is raise ourselves to be one with what is already taking place. You know, they say that prayer is the contemplation of the facts of life from the highest point of view. I think that's from Ralph Waldo Emerson. So when we pray aright, we're choosing from wholeness and we're accessing dimensions that are already complete, allowing it to manifest in and as our life. A number of years ago, I read a, a journal. I think it was a scientific journal of interesting phenomenon that had been taking place. And they were talking about a medicine-less hospital in China. And they came up with a case of someone who uh, had what appeared to be an inoperable tumor and and, uh, incurable tumor that was taking place. And apparently three practitioners had went up to the person's bed and were surrounding that person. And they just started reciting over and over again these words already done already done already done and for some reason for that they cannot explain after four minutes and six seconds the tumor had disappeared somehow between the three practitioners they had come into an agreement and there was a dimension where the possibility of healing existed even though on the surface level it didn't seem possible a dimension where cancer did not exist in the mind of God, it lifted their vibration, and, and, and they claimed that to be the case. So, in that four minutes and six seconds, that which was really did not have a beginning or did not have an end, that mysterious something showed up, and that tumor disappeared. Now, we're not trying to say that appearances are not real. You know, they're real, they're facts. We don't want to be in that kind of denial. But when we talk about denial of appearances, we're saying that the situation may exist, but we're denying the permanence of any condition. And it doesn't matter what it is. It could be the lack, the limitation, you know, bad relationships, any of those things. They're not the final word. Anyway, be as it may, because sometimes we get confused about what the, we're talking about with denial. We're not denying with the existence of facts. Anyway, from wholeness, we want to make our decision. And from that decision, we're not looking at what's wrong and trying to fix it. As I quote from Reverend Janae talked about, we're not trying to look at all the brokenness. but We want to really give our attention to the wholeness. Because we've been trained to be great problem solvers. We have a worldview oftentimes based upon what we get from, you know, the outside world. There's something wrong with the world. And we've been trained to believe there's something wrong with the world. And then there's something wrong with my life. And then ultimately there's something wrong with me. And then it gets reinforced by misguided individuals reading, interpreting the Bible incorrectly. But that's another story. All right, I don't want to get in trouble. And we believe that there's something wrong out there. When we choose from wholeness, they're saying there's something right in this world. There's something wonderful that's always happening. And we live and move or have our beingness in this. And we're interested in that. And then we're accessing the many dimensions of higher possibilities beyond those five senses. You know, when we get interested in that, understand whatever we're interested in begins to show up in our life. You know, oftentimes we get interested in all the cacophony of the world, trying to solve the problem on the level of the problem. But then understand when we do that, we're just giving it more energy and we experience more lack and limitation and fear and doubt and worry and crime. But I always say that, you know, when we talk about prayer, we don't pray, we don't get what we pray for. We get what we expect. What are we expect? in our life and we become more interested in love more interested in sharing more interested in god's will for our life we'll find ourselves shining examples of individuals who are living in heaven which is not a place but the expansion of our consciousness that's here and now you know i was thinking about uh, a case of a i think a counselor was in a a prison which was not you know, a, a favorable place for evolving. And she began to focus on each of her clients by asking, what do they do well? What do they have passion around? What works for them? And they began to focus more and more on that on each of the persons she was working with. And there was a transformation that began to take place. And they would often go out and start doing the very things that they had the ability to do well in their life. Whatever we focus on begins to increase in our life. So to master wholeness, we got to choose from wholeness because that's what we're saying we're interested in. And what we're interested in has the tendency to show up as our life experiences. But there's another thing about mastering wholeness. We have to expect a so-called miracle. Some people I know oftentimes we all go through this experience where we're struggling in life with something. Maybe it's our bodies we're struggling with something Maybe you know that's not acting right maybe we have family members or children that are acting all crazy. Uh, no one here you probably don't have any kind of dysfunction in your families at all but I I'm aware of some of those things. Somewhere along the line we've forgotten that there's a spiritual and perfect pattern behind the appearance. And we may have been inundated with circumstances that we try to fight, try to hope it goes away. But our job is to lift our awareness and not fight the circumstances, but contemplate it from a higher perspective. You know, in the Aramaic world, the word for prayer is slotha. And it means to set a trap. I didn't come up with that, but... I'll take credit for it. <laughs> and so when Jesus is teaching about prayer, what he's really doing is saying, set a mental trap for the ideas of spirit. Make yourself receptive to the perfect pattern that we often have forgotten about when we get caught up in the circumstance. He's saying, set a trap, become receptive. He's saying in substance, you know, say to this presence, this power, this love, I'm listening. I'm in that expectation. I'm being available. I'm being still. I'm setting a trap for the infinite ideas that are percolating all the time in this grand universe. And then we allow it to move through us so we see things differently. We may call it a miracle, but for the presence and the power and the love of God it's just a walk in the park. See, sometimes we're trying to set things right in the physical world. But we're forgetting that the physical dimension is but a shadow of what's real and eternal. And oftentimes we get caught up in the shadow and forget about the sun. We forget about the light. We forget about the pattern. We forget about the wholeness because we're focusing on the brokenness. We want to be of the mindset that says, expect a miracle, not settling for anything less. We may say, I don't know how it's going to happen. But I know there's a pattern of perfection behind me that's never been hurt, harmed, or endangered in any way. I'm setting a monster trap for a brilliant idea, and it's going to take over my life. That's who we are. That's what we are. Now, understand, you know, wholeness and the miracles may not mean a change in conditions in the outside at all. You know, in The Course of Miracles, is a statement that says, you know, a miracle is nothing more than our change in perception, how we're seeing something. I was recently saw a movie called The Sound of Metal. I would say that's my uh, pick of the week. It might be on Netflix. I'm not quite sure. And anyway, the story is about a drummer who was in a me- heavy metal band. And he realizes he's losing his hearing. It's moving and he's disappearing from him very drastically. And he goes to see the doctor and he finds out he's lost already 80 to 90% of his hearing. And that drummer, the character, thinks he can play through it. That somehow that maybe there's something like a surgery that will make everything be okay. And just, And he said, let's just get ready for the next show. And, of course, he goes through this emotional roller coaster. You know, this trauma is triggering, you know, his addictions that he had in the past. And, you know, and things don't turn out fine. It doesn't get better. And so he ends up going to a facility in which there are other uh, deaf children there. And uh, his friend just went there to help him observe how they live and operate in life. And he begins to learn from these kids. Anyway, to make a long story short, after having that emotional connection with them, he ends up learning sign language, and he has an emotional connection on a deep level with all the children there, and eventually starts teaching them how to be drummers. His life was transformed. He found great fulfillment in a way he never found before. He found purpose that wasn't existent before. It was something that he didn't even imagine and I believe that wholeness is being in tune with God's intention for our life. And it may show up totally different than our human mind may come up with. Because as it says, you know, spirit is like the wind. You don't know where it's coming from, or where it's going. But it's going to be good. And regardless of how it shows up, I just ask this one question. Do you want to be whole? You can say Yes. Ah, sort of you faint yeses, are you willing to be whole? Yes. Are you willing to rejoice in the name of the Spirit? Yes. Are you willing to accept the command that I am magnificent? Yes. You begin to say those words, a vibration begins to take over. Words have power. They begin to shape the vibration of the cells in your body temple. So knowing this instant right now, not tomorrow, but this moment, you sent new signals of your cells of your body temple. On an emotional level, you're being reconfigured and you're moving away from the emotional scars that may have been there for a long time, just ripping the Band-Aid off and say, and no longer saying, look what has happened to me. And when you say that right now, you're being healed. Anyway, as I close out, just say that mastering wholeness requires us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. It requires us to be unified with the wholeness, consciousness that is always there. And for that to happen, we must be devoted to maintaining our connection with the spirit of the living God. As I always like to say, there's a song that says, I thought I needed somebody, but all I needed was my connection with God. I know I say that over and over again, but I said God is not a problem solver, but the consciousness of God dissolves the problems. It's beyond our human understanding, and so we want to have ourselves devoted to that, particularly when things are going well, because oftentimes when things are going well in our life, oh, we slack up, you know. Oh, I don't need God. I don't need this stuff. I don't need to do no meditation or prayer or affirmation today. I got this handled. I don't need to go check out SLC or go online or read some sort of uplifting event. No, I don't need to do do all that. I'm cool. I got it under my own power now. It's in those moments we want to take that sense of connection and amplify the work so that we'll be ready when there's a challenge that comes up because it won't be able to touch us. You'll be like MC Hammer, can't touch this, can't touch this. You'll tap into spiritual ideas that are everywhere present and they'll begin to operate through you. So we want to, to set a trap for this because we're in tune with this presence. In this moment, we're tapping into all of the wisdom. We're tapping into all of the power. We're tapping into all of the joy, all of the love that this grand universe has to offer all of the time. And that is awesome. And when you do that, you're on your way to mastering your wholeness. Peace and blessings to you.
0: We are grateful for the opportunity to share with you today and hope you've taken something from this Sunday's message. If you'd like to hear more from Spiritual Life Center, be sure to click subscribe on the podcast platform you're listening from. You can find out more about our community on our website at www.slcworld.org. We look forward to being a part of your continued spiritual journey. Wherever you are, God is, and all is well. Spiritual Life Center Transform.